0: welcome to the podcast i am joe Poznanski and with me is michael shure michael welcome joe thanks for having me you're welcome you know we are i have obviously there's only one question for you at this point which is are you feeling the madness like we're right <laughs> in the heart of the madness <laughs> You- I,
1: don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Baseball? March
0: Madness? March madness? Oh, March, March Madness. We are in the no. middle of madness, I supposedly.
1: I could be feeling less mad. I don't <laughs> care about college basketball. I wish I did because the period between the end of the Super Bowl and the beginning of baseball season is a very bleak, dark, sad time for me because <laughs> I don't care about college basketball. I, I haven't really since the mid 90s my older sister went to yukon and so okay. I got very into the yukon teams of that era I I'm very into the Yukon women's team which has won I think 104 consecutive games I think now that's or
0: right yep, yep
1: um because I want them like if you look up Gino oriyama's career coaching stats on, <laughs> it's amazing it's it's like a it's a cartoon and I just wanted to keep going forever I want them to just win I mean obviously it's good for the sport if someone knocks him off their perch uh but I'm very into that streak, and uh as a Yukon, I grew up in Connecticut, my older sister went to yukon so i've I've now been more into the Yukon women's team for the last probably 15, 20 years than I have any other college basketball team
0: i've had this weird feeling this year. I used to be quite into college but obviously i I wrote a lot about college basketball uh when I was in Kansas City, particularly I obviously covered Kansas, Missouri, and all that um so I used to be pretty into college basketball. And then in the eighties, I was really into it when I was younger. Um, but I had the weirdest feeling this year. Uh, you know, they, I'm flipping channels. I'm totally into the world baseball classic. There, there's a awesome tennis tournament going on. I'm kind of keeping an eye on that and watching Djokovic and all this. And I flipped channels and I, and I looked and and there's CBS doing the selection show for, for the, for the tournament. And my first thought was, Oh, they're doing that again? I mean, that's like literally my first thought. <laughs> it was, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's I guess this is that time of year," which is sad because I used to really be into it and and I printed out the bracket just so because I I've, I've seen like one or two games all year uh college basketball. Yeah. And and not and not by there was not programmed television. I was just flipping and Duke Carolina were playing or Kansas, Iowa State or something and and so I I watched it. Uh, but really, just this this year, for some reason, no interest whatsoever uh, in college basketball, uh, which is too bad because it looks like it's based on the bracket and Gonzaga being a one seed and, and, and Kansas still being there, but Carolina being there and all that. Seems like it's a good year. Villanova, it seems like it's fun, but... I guess. I mean,
1: I, I have the same problem everybody has with college basketball, which is you don't get to know the teams at all. Like, in, yeah. you know, in the ancient times when you and I were growing up, you got to know the team. And it was like, uh, you know, it was exciting to follow the team at, at least for a couple of years and get to know the players and then watch, you know, watch them, you know, mature and grow up and like, you know, have a near miss. The Fab Five had a near miss when they were freshmen and then they had another near miss when they were sophomores and like it, you just, it was like there was a storyline every yeah. now every year it's just like everybody hates John Calipari um you know there's Roy Williams over there uh Duke has uh Duke always has a really obnoxious looking super preppy <laughs> white dude who who seems to be throwing temper tantrums and crying all the time I mean there are certain consistencies in the in the sport year to year but I just don't find it interesting because I it's a, it starts it starts over every year yeah, It's kind of yeah. boring. As opposed to, let's say, the UConn women's basketball team, which has won 11 <laughs> championships. Here's here's some facts for you just so we can get them in the record. Uh, Gino Auriemma, career record, 987 wins, 134 losses. That's
0: yeah, the 134 losses it seems <laughs> impressive to me. It's an 880
1: winning percentage. He's won 11 titles. He's the 23-time regular season champion of his conference. He's been the AP Coach of the Year eight times, which which raises the question: When was he not AP Coach of the Year? I think when Pat Summit won it, right? It was yeah, like it was, it was one Sum- or the uh, other, yeah. And Stanford has, has, has had some great
0: teams in yes. there too, but um, yes. I mean that's absurd. That's uh, that's ridiculous. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. <clears throat> and and by the way, I think a hundred of those losses were like twenty years ago, right? I mean, like over the last ten years or whatever that is, their record is. Like two hundred and seventy-three and five. Yeah, they're
1: going going for their fifth straight title this year, and they haven't lost a regular season game in three years. So,
0: yeah, any game
1: really. What am I talking? Any game.
0: I mean, a hundred consecutive wins. It's insane. I am. I am interested in them in 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 a way that's. I know it hurts the game overall to have one team that dominant, but it helps the game in like for for some what casual fans, uh, because if they lose, it's huge. And then, you know, you're watching to see this record and how far they can stretch it out. And I think that's the real issue to me. You know, you, you talk about in in men's basketball, college basketball, that the season starts over every year and the story is different. And that's true, but also the season is meaningless. I mean, yeah. not even more meaning. I, I know people say that about the NBA and the NHL, but no, much more meaningless than those. I mean, you, you can't miss the tournament. I mean, if you're even half decent. I mean, I was actually a little surprised. I was looking because I saw VCU uh, is fairly, you know, it's, it's, it's in the tournament. And I thought, oh, VCU Shaka Smart. I'm a big Shaka Smart guy. I'm not a big Shaka Smart guy because he's not at VCU and hasn't been there for a couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> he's at Texas. And I thought, oh, I did not even, I was unaware. That's sad to me. I was unaware. And I went and said, oh, wow, I wonder how Shaka Smart's doing at Texas. Answer, Horribly. Yeah, or they're like 11-22 and 22 yeah. this year. Uh, not that's not good. So, yeah, anyway. I happened
1: to turn on a game the other day uh, late in one of the conference tournaments. It was a Texas game. And I was like, oh, Shaka Smart's in Texas. Look at that. And then I looked and they were like, you know, had a losing record. And I came to the exact same conclusion you did, which is like, oh, you shouldn't have left. He was, he was and that's, that's the other weird thing is that like now because of the one and done world, Right. These colleges, like there's a one of the brackets, it's like um there's like a 14 three game. That's two of the I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head, but it's two of the teams that used to like um it's like Davidson and Winthrop or something. Yeah. Yeah. One of them's like a three seat where it's like now now these schools that used <laughs> to be the kind of like 14s or 15s that you would go like, oh, every year they make the tournament and they make a little run and they almost upset Georgetown or whatever now those teams are just as as likely to make the tournament and be high seeds as any other team. You know, yeah. it's like, which i personally, by the way, I think that's fine. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I don't, re- since I don't really care, I am always rooting for a crazy final. I don't, the most boring possible thing to me is a, as an extraordinarily casual fan of this tournament is Duke-UNC in the finals, which right. is, is right. what like J. is and everybody is apparently predicting and so it's going to be like Arizona, Kansas or Duke UNC or whatever. That's when I won't watch because I don't <laughs> care. I will watch if it's Duke against Southwest Tennessee State Technical College or whatever because I, then I have something to root for, which is for Duke to lose terribly.
0: I actually think this is a fun uh, assignment for people who do not follow college basketball very closely like we don't uh, at this point, is, is going through this bracket and trying to predict who's the higher seed. Because I'm actually looking and going, wait, they're good and they're not good like I I'm totally, yeah. you know, not entirely you know, I was like Wichita State Dayton. I'm like, which which one? I don't have no idea which one is the higher seed in that one. So Yeah, um, that's, like if I wait, okay, don't look. That, Let me,
1: let's see. Let's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can fool stump you. Me. Yes. Gonna, <laughs> 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 All right. How about which is the higher seed? Okay. um let me find a good one here uh, so, uh, uh, South Carolina or Marquette oh, I don't you're gonna know you're gonna to answer that. these questions <laughs> and then you're gonna I'm not gonna tell you the answer <laughs> I I don't
0: I don't I mean I should I live in North Carolina I think South Carolina had a pretty good year maybe they're the higher seed I, I don't know that's a guess
1: okay all right what is the higher seed? uh let me see how about um how about
0: uh well, no that won't work
1: how about <laughs> how about butler and winthrop how about the, the uh the one i mentioned before
0: butler and winthrop um yeah i'm going to assume Butler's the higher seed <laughs> all right that's good <laughs> i don't uh, know
1: what, what about, what about i do
0: know he's not coaching at butler anymore i do know that's that right.
1: Yes, good, good job.
0: <laughs> I, do, I do follow the NBA enough to know that he left a while ago. All right, here's, here's a great one.
1: Dayton and Wichita State, who's the higher seed? It's a 7-10 game, so it's hard.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Wichita State, are they the higher seed? No, Dayton is the
1: higher. Dayton is a 7, Wichita State's a 10.
0: Did I get the South Carolina one right? Uh, I don't even know now. I forgot. it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure this was so entertaining for our for our listeners. All right, Saint Mary's
1: uh, and VCU, which is the higher seed?
0: You know what? I just looked at that since I did, but no, I still no, don't. That's know. why I, I asked <laughs> you. But I still don't know. I still don't have any idea. I think VCU is the higher seed. I think Saint
1: Mary's is the seven.
0: Yeah. Wow! All right. Yeah. Well, see there you go. See, I don't. I'm not following it at all. And I actually, was looking and I saw. Uh, when I glanced through it, I went, hey, North Carolina State, which I should know since I'm in the state of North Carolina. I'm like, hey, they had a good year. They went 28-5. And, and 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 I look and I'm like, oh, that's New Mexico's NM state. So I mean, uh, yeah, not even aware of the differences. Yeah, the answer I don't to answer your know. question, the, the South
1: Carolina is a 7 seed and Marquette is a 10. That's okay. A All right.
0: All right, so I got that. Yeah. yeah. I, like I say, I mean, it's, it's a shame. I used to, I used to live for it. Also they keep adding teams. I don't like play in games. I don't, all of it seems to me there's just, I'm sure people still love it. It's still gigantic. I'm still getting like 10 emails from people who want me to enter their pools, which I'm not going to do. Um, so I know it's still huge. I, I just, I, it feels like it's drifted completely away from, from me and, and, uh, I'm a little sad about that, but you know what? I, I don't, I can't, I can't look back. I got things yeah. to do. Things I to am do.
1: not, I am not sad about it. I, I may have told this story before on this very podcast, but when I was working at Saturday Night Live, there was a big pool at 30 Rock, which, was, which comprised all NBC employees. So It was like the sports department, the news department, SNL uh, at the time, uh, Conan. Like uh, all every every and, and basically and open to every NBC employee. So it was huge. Yeah. So this is like ninety eight, ninety nine, something like that. So I filled out a bracket, and uh, they would ever at the end of every round they would post a, a like an update of like who was winning, who was you know had had gotten the most right, and there was something like nine hundred people participating, and. After the second round, I was, I think, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think I was 870th out of 900 <laughs> people. <laughs> and I just was like, why? What, what is the point of this? I don't like, I, I, all, I, all that happens is I get angry every year. And I just literally at that moment decided never to fill out a bracket again. And I haven't in like 15 years, I've never filled out a bracket. <laughs>
0: The great thing about being 870th after second round is it didn't get better from there. I mean... No, right, it's, yeah. Oh,
1: no, it's... it's so I can maybe move up to... 850th if, I'm, <laughs> if I can catch a few breaks. But, yeah, it, it was just like – I. it just makes me angry because all of – and it was like – I'm like – I know the rules, right? I know that every year a 12 beats a 5. I know that every year a 14 might beat a 3. Like I – Right. I, I, and I. so basically I just chose wrong. I chose all the wrong 12, <laughs> 12. To win, all the, and one wrong 14 to win. And I chose every 8-9 game wrong. And, like, so, like, I, I had some knowledge of, like, the trends and patterns of the tournament. I just got it all wrong. And then I was like, well, then what is the point of it? Why why am I doing this? Why am I getting angry for no reason? And uh, it's the same reason, by the way, I never – I played fantasy baseball once, and it drove me so crazy I almost <laughs> jumped off a cliff. And I've never – I haven't played fantasy baseball since 1991 or 92. Wow. Yeah. Because, and I've never football? never played fantasy football, not once, because I know exactly how much time it will take up, and I also know how infuriated I will be all the time. <laughs> so I've never done it. And, I, and by the way, my life is so great. Every year, be, when people are losing their minds about their fantasy teams, I come to two conclusions anew. One is, I'm so glad I didn't do that. And two is, you are not happier than I am like the the selling point of fantasy baseball and fantasy football is that it is additive to the to the enjoyment of the sport. Sure. But in my experience, the people who play those sports are driven to the brink of insanity by them, which means they can't be happier in their relationship to the sport than I am. There's no way. What do you think? Yeah.
0: No, I totally agree. I have not played fantasy baseball. I last year for charity, I did a like a stratomatic um league and it was like for the first month of the season or something and uh and it was fun i i enjoyed it cuz you you like got to pick your own team and it wasn't a draft you just got to pick whatever team you wanted and and uh and basically the computer sort of spit out who you got and who you didn't get and you could make some moves so it was fine it was fun uh and then i i was my team was kind of dominant and and it was a bunch of other writers and 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 you know, very minor celebrities. I, I don't remember everybody who was in it, and, and I don't mean to call anybody in that group a minor celebrity. By the way, they're all way bigger celebrities than me. Um, but but we were in the in the group, and and my team was dominant, and I won the regular season by like five games or eight games or something. I mean, it was like my team was dominant, and then we played uh, in the postseason, and my team lost four nothing. Uh, <laughs> games. And I said, I, I remember now why I don't do this stupid thing anymore. It's because I don't need this. and I already have enough like real losses in my life. I don't need more like fake losses. I will say the only fantasy game, like, like fantasy sport thing that I've ever wanted to do and I've not done. And at some point I will do is I very much have wanted to join a fantasy hockey league um, because I've always I, I like hockey a lot and i never ever pay attention to it ever because i just don't have time I, it doesn't fit into my life it's not like college basketball where i don't have time and i just don't care uh i wish i could spend more time like watching hockey i watched uh the uh the uh, chicago uh minnesota game yesterday and was like i love hockey i don't ever watch it because i don't have any need so so i think that would get me into the sport so that's the only one that i've ever really considered doing i haven't done college uh, a football one in yeah 25 years and i haven't done a baseball one in longer than that, so what but does hockey, fantasy
1: hockey actually entail?
0: I don't know. Guys, I don't know. Like I know just, people are in it. I've been invited to join. I think is it's it goals, goals assists,
1: and penalty minutes, or something.
0: I think there's like some other like advanced hockey stats that they use. I don't know. Plus, if plus minus, that. maybe that's not really advanced, but I think that that's probably one of them. I actually don't know how it works, which also would be fun. Maybe you and I could do it together because that way we would. Yeah, we have no idea what's going on, and that would be – I possible. think I can presently
1: name a total of 20 hockey players, and half of them played for the Edmonton Oilers in the <laughs> 1980s. So as long those, as I can draft
0: – Those would not count, by the way. The, the, I can't draft
1: Grant Fuhrer and Andy Moog <laughs> and Ove <Olf> Samuelson <laughs> and Yari Curry. I can't
0: draft those guys. No, I don't, you could. I guess nobody in the league would stop us from drafting. That would be so great. They just go in there and we're like, it comes to us. First pick, Wayne Gretzky. I can't believe he's still on the board. This is crazy. I mean, and I'm taking Jari Curry. Then what they, they're on the same line. And, and then we get Messier. We're really counting on Edmonton to be really good. oh i love this idea all right we've wasted we've wasted almost 20 minutes without even getting to our two main topics of the day all right our first our first main topic our first main topic and this is this is a personal one for me uh and becoming more personal for you um you have sort of hinted on the podcast and i think you're going to do it you're becoming a browns fan i I believe that's happening. I believe we're in the process of that happening. I'm not saying you're going to leave behind the Patriots because you'll always have your Super Bowls to enjoy, uh, but I think you're becoming <laughs> a Browns fan and and I think I think you're you're a believer. I think you're becoming a believer.
1: I texted you the other day, yeah, I was going to make a bet with you. The bet was as I remember it that the Browns will make the playoffs. By, what year did I say? Twenty nineteen or twenty
0: twenty? I think twenty. You, they would have a. Uh, they'd be five hundred by twenty nineteen in playoffs in twenty twenty. In, in twenty twenty, yes. I think that's what yeah. you said. Yeah. You did not
1: take me up on it. <laughs> I think because you maybe think that it's possible. Yes, or are you just <sighs> like I don't? I don't want to bet on the Browns.
0: Well, one is I think it's possible. Two, if I say no, then I'm betting against the Browns. That doesn't seem right to me. That doesn't feel right. (laughs) I mean, you do talk (laughs) constantly about how terrible the Browns are. No, I do, but I don't bet on it. I'm I'm not happy they're terrible. I just talk about how bad they are because as a Browns fan, I have that right. I should be able to – to to enjoy whatever i can out of the browns but i think the larger point though was is the browns the other day i think everybody uh probably knows uh made a trade where they actually sort of traded for uh brock isweiler the the quarterback uh but not really because they they don't want osweiler and never nobody does and and so they really just made this sort of Kooky maneuver to to take on his salary, kind of an NBA move, take on his salary, uh, and so they can get a second round pick, which they moved up from a fourth, basically. So they they get a second round pick out of it. Uh, Lots of people celebrating that move. What do you think? Oh, it's of
1: course it's exactly the kind of thing they should be doing. I I can't. Bill Polian went bananas. I don't know if you saw this, but (laughs) Bill Polian. Bill Polian lost his mind and shouted, waved his fist at the heavens and screamed and yelled and, and said, like, what, Brock Osweiler for $16 million, what a terrible deal. And people kept going, no, they don't, they don't care about Brock Osweiler. They're buying a draft choice. And he was like, but Brock Osweiler's terrible. What are you doing? He's terrible. And they're like, no, they know he's terrible. They don't think he's good. They did this to get the draft. And he just – either he didn't understand it. It was very sad and weird. It felt like the uh, Simpsons episode with the where there's some picture of Grandpa Simpson and the in the newspaper and says old man yells at cloud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You know. um, but of of course, oh, so this is ex- look, money is it, they're not going anywhere next year. They were terrible this year. They're going to be terrible next year. They bought a second round pick for sixteen million dollars. Who cares? They they could cut Oswald tomorrow. Although I don't think they will. My guess is. I mean they they don't have a a quarterback that they're really kind of like this is our guy for the future, right? They've got like Cody Kessler and people like that.
0: Right. Well, they just released they just released um uh, RG3. Uh, right. Just you know. But they've already announced, I mean it was in Cleveland papers uh either today or yesterday. Uh, they are gonna cut Osweiler. I mean, oh, they are. I didn't even. know They're that gonna yet. try to trade him. I love when you do that. Like, well, we'll try to trade him, and if we don't, we can't trade him. We cut him. <laughs> I mean, like, nobody else is gonna read that. Like, I don't really yeah. know what they, that's sort of the Phil Jackson way to trade Carmelo kind of move. You know, right? Um, but the fact is that they have a hundred.
1: They had a hundred million dollars in cap room. Right. And you know the. the Every football franchise is worth in the billions. Every single one. The Browns, the Jaguars, every single one of them is worth more than a billion dollars, basically. So you're talking about $16 million for one year to buy a second round draft choice? That's a great—they should do that. I tweeted this. They should do that five more times if they can. They should become the 76ers of football and go around and say, who do you have who's a terrible contract— we will take them off your hands if you send us a, a second round pick or like a third and a fourth. And I mean they're in very they're in as good a position right now as they've been in you tell me 10 years or something, like a long oh, time. Yeah, right? Yep. I mean they have they have something like 5 of the first 65 picks next year. And they have future now they're they're banking these future picks. They've got a second round pick in 2018 coming from the Texans. They've got, like, they've got the number one overall pick, which last year for the first year that I can remember, they actually traded down and a, a, a couple times maybe even and, like, started to stockpile picks. They're doing what the Patriots do, what all good teams do. They're trying to maximize their assets. I I think they may – what do you think? Do they use this number one pick this year or do they trade out?
0: No, I think they'll use it. I think they'll use it because they traded down to number two last year. Right. Uh, which was, you know – we don't know. We don't know if it was a good move or not. There were really really good players on the board that they did not take, including players uh from Ohio State. I mean, they didn't they passed on Joey Bosa and right. and, and others. Um so yeah, I mean, I I don't know uh I don't think they're going to trade down this year. I I think they're going to try to put a package together to get Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they're going to make that happen. Um so then they're going to just they'll try actually might even try to trade up because they do like uh these two quarterbacks that are that are, you know, uh, out there Deshaun Watson and then the uh, the uh North Carolina kid who's actually a, from Ohio he's from he's a Cleveland guy. Uh so they'll they they might try to do something like that. Here here's my my thought on the trade. Look, the trade is smart in 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 a in a very moneyball way this was a, a second round pick is extremely valuable uh you can figure out a way it cost them 16 million dollars uh but even if you caught him somebody's going to pick him up and pay him a few million of that you're going to be able to take some of that off the board um sure. you know you, you'll they'll figure they'll figure out i i think financially it's fine what what concerned me as a browns fan is People started, a lot of people, and obviously others disagreed, but a lot of people started really celebrating the genius of this move and, and really started talking about, all oh, the Browns and the analytics, and they're really working. They, they need to draft a good football player first. I mean, they really need <laughs> – And some look, that second-round pick, if they get a good player, that's a fantastic move. But if they get anybody like they did this year – I mean, look, this year those guys – had the picks they had the second pick in the draft and they passed uh they traded down when there were very very good players on the board and they got cory coleman who was a little wide receiver from oregon who might be good might not be good but did not show necessarily you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a great rookie year let's just say that um And then they they took Ogba in the second round, and and again, not a great rookie year. And they took Guy in the third round from Penn State, not a great rookie year. Uh, And then they, instead of taking Dak Prescott, uh, which would have been obviously pretty good, uh, they took Cody Kessler. And even at the time, people were like, why did you take Cody Kessler? Uh, And nobody really understood it. So, yeah, I love that they're stockpiling draft picks, and I love that they're – Thinking And I love that this organization finally has a direction and they, they just signed a couple of offensive linemen. I mean, I love that this team seems to be, seems to be focused finally for the first time in forever, but, but they still got to draft good players. And yeah. and I don't know what their, I don't know what that the answer is. I don't know if they have, uh, you know, that sort of sense of, of football yet that, that they've not shown that they do. Uh, and and that's the big concern for me. The big concern for me is this. All makes a whole lot of sense. that they make you know, ten terrible draft picks, and in twenty twenty we're having this podcast, and I'm saying it's never going to happen ever. Well, you know? as a new
1: Browns fan, and I am, I've become a Browns fan. Now I, I have a like uh, the ride I took with the Cubs this last year made me remember how much I love the idea of being like. You know, it's the patron saint of lost causes kind of thing, right? Right. If you find a team, a franchise that has this crushing, humiliating history of misery and sadness, when that team wins, it's just the best. It's so exciting and fun. So I'm I'm on board. I'm not – you're right. I'm not abandoning the Patriots. There's no way I'll ever abandon the Patriots. But uh, considering that they've won now five Super Bowls in the last 16 years, this is my new thing that I can root for. Uh, and I feel like the the one thing I'll say about you're right because their their drafts have been kind of crummy, but there is a consensus number one pick in this year's yeah. draft, right? It's Miles Garrett, the defensive end, and that it's like if you take that guy, I ordinarily remember when the year there was a the year when Reggie Bush was like he's the guy, right? Everyone right. was like, right. and, and the Texans chose Mario Williams, and everybody lost their minds. Yes, and then mm-hmm. Mario Williams probably in the end was a better choice, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Because so. Reggie Reggie Bush was, was you know, such a world beater in college, but then it was like he, he you know, he was a little skinny and he, he got banged up and stuff like that. And ultimately for that team, hiring a pass rushing defensive end was a better move. And I yeah. feel like, right. And I'm usually loath to say to any team when there's a consensus number one, you have to take that, that guy. I feel like they need to take that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. just take him. You know, if he's a wash, he's a wash, but... The, the, you run that risk with everybody and like the past the only people if you're going to use your number 1 overall pick it's quarterback left tackle pass rushing defensive end right, right. those are your or right. your defensive line. those are basically your three choices anything else and like I wasn't upset that they didn't take Joey Bosa last year or I wouldn't have been cuz it's like he's a he's a very high you know ceiling talent but it, like a linebacker is not the same thing it's just not the same like level of importance. And I feel like you got to go, you got to go foundational with the number one overall pick. And I feel like there's a consensus number one, almost a unanimous, like number one overall pick. It's that guy. He's a defensive end. They should just take that guy.
0: Don't you yeah, think? I, oh, absolutely. I don't even think there's any, any question in my mind uh, that they should. And, and I think that they will take that guy. The only way I want, look, if Bill Belichick, somehow ended up with the number one overall pick which could happen with the Browns out there right i mean the browns could always trade Belichick the number one overall pick for any reason you know at all um he wouldn't take the guy probably no. i mean i don't know if he would take him i don't know i've heard you know mixed reviews on 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 miles and and uh uh you know i mean obviously everybody loves the talent question about his motor or whatever all the 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 draftnick stuff that people talk about um but here's the thing. If Belichick had somebody else in mind, he would not take the guy just because everybody says you have to take him. Right. Clear. Well, yeah. You know what? He's got enough of a history that I think he's got to be able to... He, he's, you got to give him that latitude. you got to give him the latitude that if he likes somebody else... I'm not giving the Browns that latitude right now. I don't think they've earned it. And they have they've need to... It's conventional they look if they if they really 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 don't like him i mean they really really then trade out of that pick right. because they're going to go and take him yeah yeah exactly because if they're going to if they're going to not take him with the first overall pick that person is going to be under such scrutiny and such strain as mario williams was the first couple of years in the league when i don't think he lived up to his potential it really was about his third year that he started really playing well um you know i think that that you you've got to you've got to take him or trade out and trading out i think at this point is a kind of destructive move i think everybody in cleveland has seen enough of the trade down thing they're they i think people have been fine with it up to now but it's like it's go time for that team um so i think you take him and you hope for the best i mean he certainly is a great talent and obviously coaching will have a a substantial you know part In in how good he is. Look, that's the other thing. The Browns have taken guys that, you know, probably would have been really good uh, and in fact have been good in other places. Uh, They just were in such a dysfunctional world. And so I do think you trust Hugh Jackson as coach uh, to build a, a, you know, a foundation where they'll actually get the most out of players. I mean, I, they, they passed on Julio Jones. They traded down out of the Julio Jones spot. That's been a real sore spot in Cleveland forever but I don't know what Julio Jones. I think we talked about this once. I mean, Julio Jones goes to Cleveland. He might be one of those guys that catches thirty passes a year, and everybody's wondering why he didn't turn out. You know, so so I I think that it's really important that they, you know, they they've got they this is the year that they've got to prove something. They they can't have an even like a mediocre draft. They've but got this, to have, is,
1: this is so interesting
0: though, right? Because it's like you know Paul DePodesta works for the Browns now right and and
1: you know that he doesn't want to I'm, I would bet anything that he doesn't want to actually make a pick with the first overall pick. I'm a wild conjecture and the reason is that there is so much hype and so much value, so much extra value given to the number one overall pick that there is an argument to be made that if you're if you don't have Andrew luck available, if you don't have uh, Orlando Pace available, if you don't have these like, once in a generation talents at these fundamental positions that are such no brainers that to pass on them, you'd be a, you know, a complete moron. There is an argument. I mean, what if let's, what if the Browns right now say, you know who we secretly quietly think is the best player in this draft is whoever Jabril Peppers from Michigan. And we think he's going to be there at eight uh, or 12 or whatever. And we could trade the number one overall pick for, the number seven overall pick and a second round choice this year and a fourth round choice this year or and a third round choice next year or whatever. How do you not do that? I mean, you're not wrong when you say that like, they, the top, like they've the like they missed on all these guys. They missed on Carson Wentz last year. They missed on Julio Jones. They keep trading whatever. They've, they've missed on these guys. But, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And there's an sure. argument to be made with the number one overall pick that the, you can for. This is what Belichick has been doing for years. Belichick so many times has had the number 32 pick. And technically speaking, yeah, that's a first-round pick. But it's also one pick away from the second round. But because the difference between 32 and 33 in other people's minds is enormous because it's a first-round pick versus a second-round pick. And he has traded so many times out of that position. And he ends up, if you go back, Bill Barnwell wrote this huge piece on Belichick in the draft a while ago last year and it's amazing what he's been able to do. And obviously not every single one of these trades worked out. But, like, he essentially gets picks for free. Like, he that's, that's what it comes down to. By trading down, trading down, trading down, he essentially ends up flipping picks, getting other people's picks, and then essentially getting picks for free. And that is why the team is so young and deep all the time is because he is really good at this stuff. And I would say that even if you're like, I'm totally reversing course on what I just said, which is (laughs) they should take a few miles here and and call it a day. I feel like if there is a team, if if Jerry Jones is losing his mind and is so excited because the next Johnny Manziel is out there waiting to be drafted, you should go to him and you should sucker him into giving you something for this number one, for this first overall pick. Because that ultimately is the way that this team... Like any team, gets to 500 and then to the playoffs in the next three seasons or four seasons. It's by it's by exploiting those kinds of kind of absurdities that people attach all this importance to these high draft choices.
0: Well, I would agree with that if they don't love the guy.
1: I, I think that's sure. what it comes Sure, of course, to. of course, that's yes. If they care. if you love the guy, you make the pick, and that's what you know. A couple of years ago, for the first time in forever, Belichick didn't move down; he moved up. And in one draft, he chose Chandler Jones, which people was – it was kind of a surprise. He came out of nowhere. He chose Dante Hightower in the same draft. He went up – they had a real problem, which was they had no pass rush for years. And they, he went up and got a run-stopping linebacker in Hightower and an edge rusher in Chandler Jones. And he, and he picked up Jamie Collins. I don't know if it was the same year, but he picked up Jamie Collins in the second or third round the next year. And suddenly the defense was was really good and has been good ever since. And so, like, yeah, if you love the guy, go get him. And it, you know, I the, the 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 all of these caveats about their draft is like you got it. You you draft the people you want, and if you find that the people you want aren't the people that other people want, that's when you draft down. I would trade down. I mean, this is all obviously very obvious to say, but I just I think that the the Browns shouldn't be shouldn't like wear the burden of their miserable failure over the last 700 seasons as a, it shouldn't be an extra burden. They shouldn't, I think where they'll run into a mistake is if they start thinking, we got to do this all at once. We got to score a 25 point touchdown instead of like, let's slowly methodically make these correct decisions. And the fact that they made that trade for Osweiler to get a second round pick. And it is like an indication to me that they are thinking that way for the first time, maybe ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, certainly the first time in a, a long time, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I think I really do think that's what they did last year. That's why uh, when I talk about them trading down last year, it, they didn't love Carson Wentz. That was the guy at the, at the at the second pick. That was the that was the guy everybody was trading up to get. That was the guy to get, and they didn't love Carson Wentz. Maybe they were wrong to not love Carson Wentz. I don't know. Nobody knows yet. You know, he obviously got off to the great start last year and then kind of faded some by the end of the year, but they didn't love him. So they traded down. I'm if they don't love, uh, you know, the number one overall pick they should trade down, but they've got to start loving some players. I mean, at some point you can't just keep stockpiling, stockpiling, deferring your future. At some point you need to start creating a base of good football players. This team has not had that base other than Joe Thomas. The saint sainted Joe Thomas, poor guy, uh <laughs> other than him um they have not they have not had anything to sort of build around for years and and that's that's where it's got to change that's why I think this is a really important draft I mean I think they come out of this draft with you know four or five really good football players, then it's a great dra- by the way, football players, I don't want them to draft really good like Basketball players. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I just use that. I hate when people do that. I hate when people use the we got ourselves a football player thing. You know, that's like. <laughs> it's Mike I Ditka, too. I, was,
1: it's, I always think of Mike Ditka saying they got to run the football. <laughs> They got to run the football. And it's like, yeah, that's the only kind of ball that it's legal to run in this game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so yeah, so I think it's important that they get good players, uh, like a few of them, to, like, build something. I think if they come out of this draft with, like, three or four extra picks next year, okay, yeah, it, maybe it's the smart move. But at some point, they've got to start digging in the dirt. I mean, this team went 1-15 and should have been 0-16 last year. And I'm not saying that's any better than being 5 and 11 or whatever they're going to be next year, but uh you know, it, they've got to start moving in the right direction. I just think that's important.
1: There well, I'm on board, man. I'm on board. All right. This is my team. This is my team now. I claim <laughs> them. I'm a real Browns fan. You're not a real Browns
0: fan. <laughs> it's so good to have you. No, we will take you. We need you. Very excited. It. We need you. That's good. It, it, screw the Patriots. All right. Um, <laughs> the great thing about, by the way, being a Browns fan and a Patriots fan is there's at no point will those two clash. It's like it's like yeah. having an American and National League team in the old days. Like they'll never play each other. It Doesn't matter, really.
1: Also, like it's what, like a, the, if you average them together, I'm going to go eight and eight. You know, I'm be roughly <laughs> an eight and eight. So it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> you'll be you'll be even, Steven. All yeah. right. So uh, that's our first topic. I'm sure fans really enjoyed that one, um, and we're going to talk a little baseball now. So, I first of all, have you been into the to the baseball classic? Have you gotten into the World Baseball Classic? I
1: haven't uh, seen too much of it, although I really love the Israel story is great. Love yes. it. I love watching the Dutch team because it is remarkable how many people of Dutch ancestry seem to play professional baseball. <laughs> Um, but I have I have only missed like two total innings of the Dominican Republic team because I'm obsessed with this team. I can't get enough of this team. This is that the best team, team it's the best team ever assembled. I love is it so best. much.
0: And you know what's funny is like everybody knows and understands how many good players are from the Dominican uh, and have been for the last, whatever, 40 years or so. I'm trying to think, 35, 40 years that the Dominican Republic has played such a major role in baseball but when you see them all on one team it's just like oh yeah they got him too i totally like, oh well, let's go to the bench there's adrian Beltre on the bench you can't even start and you're going <laughs> what are you kidding me like this team is ridiculous absolutely I mean, it's, ridiculous
1: it's so it's so fun to watch and and here's the thing y- yes everybody knows uh the dominican the dominican the dominican uh, the dominican republic is very slightly larger than Azerbaijan. Very slightly. It's like, it's, they've got like 400,000 more people or something than Azerbaijan. It's smaller, by the way, than Bolivia and Belgium and Burundi and Rwanda and a lot of places. It's tiny. It is nothing. It's, it's smaller than Cuba. Yes. And the idea that this many world-beating baseball players come out of the same tiny little place with very slightly more people in it than Azerbaijan, is absurd. And it's not, and you're right, it's not a fluke. It's been happening year after year after year for, for decades now. And I, I, just, I just can't get over how, how unlikely that is and how special it is. And you also, by the way, uh, you see these other teams, um, like Venezuela is a perfect example, right? There's so many good Venezuelan players right now. Oh, there's Jose Altuve, Miguel Cabrera, Felix uh, Hernandez, Luis Hernandez, yeah, like uh, El Ender and Ciarte, who plays for the Braves. He's really good. Yeah. Salvi Perez, like they there's there's whole other countries that that are also not you know thought of as powerhouses that and they have amazing teams. The it, it's I was pretty uninterested in the WBC until I actually started sort of poking around and looking at these lineups. It's so fun. I just love it, and they the games the, Ven- the 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 Dominican games and the Puerto Rico games and the uh, Venezuelan games are the it feels like international football which is what it's supposed to do the crowds it's like the opposite of the average baseball game the crowds are going crazy from minute 1 it's like a crazy like it's really fun it feels like exa- i think that they've achieved exactly what they set out to achieve which is to say let's remind people that they like from other countries let's reward other countries and their fans for saying like, look at how exciting these teams are and get whip up some excitement and some fervor for the, for the different kind of national teams. It's really fun. I really like it. I'm into it.
0: Yeah. I'm going to list off by the way, just, just for, just for our, our fun. uh, There are eight infielders on the Dominican team. So eight, eight infielders. I mean, that's obviously two full infields. They are, Adrian Beltre, who's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Robinson Cano, who's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Manny Machado, who is very, very young, but he's probably going to end up going to the Hall of Fame. If he stays healthy, yeah. If he stays healthy, I, there's no reason to believe that he's he's going to be anything other than great for the next 10 years. Uh, Hanley Ramirez, Jose Reyes, Carlos Santana, Gene Segura, Jonathan Villar. That's one country. That's all from their one <laughs> tiny little country, yeah, and that's your and that's just your infield, you know. Plus, they just keep bringing pitchers out that throw ninety-eight miles an hour. I mean, that's the other yeah. thing about them. Uh, so much fun! I, I think they're so much fun. I gotta say, the team I've been really loving watching has been Puerto Rico. Yes, uh, well, and, I was about to
1: say. Think now, now listen to this. Listen to this infield. Javier Baez, who, you know, obviously very young, but sky's the limit. Carlos Correa, same thing, but, you know, if he does what we think he's going to do, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Francisco Lindor, maybe the best, arguably the best player in baseball. (laughs) Like, you can can actually make an argument after last year that he's the best player in baseball. I mean, that's, that's, and then, uh, uh, you know, there's a couple other guys, but that's, that's insane. That's uh, just oh yeah, there's another infield of all future Hall of Famers (laughs) from a tiny island nation. I mean, it's, it's it's completely ridiculous how it's, uh, it's
0: wonderful it's so yeah. wonderful and that's by the way been my favorite part i mean because i've loved watching the dominican i've, I've actually enjoyed watching the american team I've, i mean obviously you know not all of the great american players play but but considering it's the america's game uh and all of that you know birthplace or whatever um you know i think they've been fun and i think they've been a one that america dominica game was was you know, it's for the legend. I mean, it was legendary. Yeah, it was, it so, really was. Great. It great was so great. It was so great. But I've got to say, watching Francisco Lindor has been the joy of my of my uh, you know WPC experience. No, I I know that this doesn't so much matter. I mean, like you know, I'm a, I'm a completely you know, analytical mind when it comes to baseball and and all that. But I was in Arizona doing spring training uh, stuff, which, you know, a lot of that's still to come. And I spoke to numerous general managers, uh, numerous people around the game. Everybody, I think, at this moment in time, like all the GMs and and decision-maker type people, if you told them, You could have, like, a draft right now of every player in baseball. Obviously, you'd have your Mike Trout and your Kershaws and, like, the established stars. But among the young, like, up-and-coming superstars in the game, Francisco Lindor would be the number one overall pick. And they just love, not just because he's the best defensive shortstop in the game, not just because he's a very, very good hitter, just the joy he plays the game with. Again, I don't want to overstate how much that means, but it means something just to be around that guy and just to watch the way everybody sort of just is just a little bit happier and a little bit more excited. And, and I, I mean, I think that really does matter. I think he fundamentally changed the Cleveland Indians. And I think he fundamentally has changed the way Puerto Rico plays baseball. There's just, there's just so much joy in his game.
1: I think this year, I mean, last year was sort of quietly his coming out party, but his coming out party is overshadowed by the Cubs. Yes. You know, and and also a a number of other kind of crazy things that happened to the Indians. You know, they had Andrew Miller was a big story, and they had uh, the game where, like, they had nine pitchers throw one inning and stuff like that. Like, they had all these kind of, they had all these remarkable things happening. And so Lindor's play was, which ordinarily would have been the big story, Ended up getting kind of buried a little bit. I believe that this year, if all goes according to plan, he doesn't get hurt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I feel like this year is going to be the year that everyone takes notice because he's he's too good, and now the team has some heat on it because of what happened last year. And if they can, sure. if they make another run, certainly if they win their division and they make a deep playoff run. It's going to be in part because Francisco Lindor is amazing. And so I, I believe this is going to be a year where he gets up. He, he's right now, in terms of like fame or recognizability, he's not even in the same category as other similar players who play in, in you know, in similar market teams. Right. Like he's not, more people know about Manny Machado right now than know about Francisco Lindor, don't you think? Yes. Like Machado's been around a little longer and stuff, but like that's a roughly equivalent situation, right? Baltimore and Cleveland. You know, East Coast, Eastern Time. You know, cities that that aren't you know major uh, uh, markets and stuff. I would say more people know about Manny Machado. I'd say more people know about a lot of guys like that who were you know these great players. More people know about Eric Hosmer. Than, no, that's true, right? It's true. <laughs> because of the Royals, and so I. But I, I think that's going to change. It just has to because I I believe that if anybody is going to dethrone Mike Trout as as the best player. At least in the American League, it, he's the guy, I would say.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there are obviously there are a lot of people on on uh, Carlos Correa to do that. Um, you know, Machado could do that, all that. It's interesting because one of the things that I'm working on is a story on Q rating. And I actually asked you a couple of questions on these lines. Uh, Q rating for baseball, not so much for, you know, carrying the torch in the game or whatever that is. I mean, obviously that's going to be the responsibility of a lot of people, but I'm saying who in the game can become a breakout star enough that he could. And the question I asked you was he could host Saturday night live, or he could be the lead guest on the tonight show, not because his team just won the world series, but because he happened to be in town and, the tonight show you're you're good enough and famous enough that the tonight show would have you on you know sort of the way like Steve Garvey used to go or something right. like that um and so I've sort of been poking around and poking around and you know obviously he he's from Puerto Rico and and you know there's there's the language you know question all that but that guy could be Francisco Lindor i mean that's the personality he has the way he plays the game uh the joy that I've already mentioned, it might be him. He might be like the next big <laughs> superstar in the game, I think. It's possible.
1: I don't know anything about him, how he what he sounds like, what he what he like, how he conducts himself at all. I don't know anything. Do you know anything about him?
0: Well, yeah. I mean I know a little bit about him. I've interviewed him and 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 he's a he's wonderful. I mean there is, you know, obviously the you know English is not his first language. Um right. but he speaks English well. I mean he's I just there's just something so just just wonderful about the way he plays, and you've seen it. And by the way, in addition to all of these sort of whatever you want to call you know leadership, joy, whatever, that guy hit two bombs in the game the other day. Did you oh see? Oh my god! I mean, just
1: <laughs> absurd. The, the two craziest things. I don't know how 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 large is he as a man? How tall and how much? How tall is he? And how much does he weigh? Take That's
0: it. Guess. A, it's a good question. I, I mean, I'm guessing you know the answer to this. I know
1: I don't. I really don't. Oh
0: yeah, no. I I think he's six foot, right around six foot, and and 180. He's not a I mean, he's not
1: like a monster. That's oh the no,
0: thing. no, no, not at all, yeah. not at all. I mean, I mean to me, if,
1: the craziest thing is you you look at Chris Bryant and Chris Bryant hits a five thousand foot home run. You're like, yes, that's correct. He's Paul right. Bunyan. He's a massive, gigantic man. Then you look at you look at Lindor and more to the point. Jose Altuve. <laughs> Jose Altuve, Jose <laughs> Altuve, Jose is how tall? What's how tall is he really? I think he's really like five four. Yeah. 5'5", By the way,
0: right? Ledore's is five eleven. That's so okay. I got it about right. 5'11", 190. Yeah, I'd say that that uh, Altuve and Mookie Betts are five five, five four, five five. I think right? Betts yeah. is
1: taller. I think Betts is probably five seven or five eight something. Like okay. That. It's a okay. wild guess, but but Jose Altuve for real is five four. And he, yeah, and he, like, he hits, last year at some point, you know, he got off to that tear at, at the beginning of the year. And there was a statistic that I saw in, like, late May that he had, like, three of the four furthest hit home runs of the season to that point were Jose Altuve. He had, like, you know, he is hitting, like, routinely hitting 450-foot home runs. It seems impossible. I don't understand it. And it's 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 so much more enjoyable. I love Mookie Betts is my favorite Red Sox for exactly that reason. It makes it feel – because there's something very human about seeing a person. You you see Chris Bryant and you get it. And you see whatever. You saw Prince Fielder and you get it. You see Mookie Betts and Jose Altuve, you don't get it. (laughs) You don't get that. It's so much more impossible and wonderful when you see them do it.
0: By the way, Altuve is listed at 5'6". I think he's probably 5'5", 5'4". that is not the biggest exaggeration of baseball. The biggest exaggeration of baseball, without question, is Dustin Pedroia, who continues yeah. to list himself at five nine. Yeah, my gosh, stop it! Just stop it.
1: Yeah, he's a uh, uh, Yeah, I know. Five.
0: You know, uh, my uncle
1: uh, married a woman from Ireland, and she said something to me when I when I first met her. I uh, she said that w- women in Europe, or at least in the UK and, the, and Ireland. Um, When you ask them how old they are, they age themselves up. You know, everybody, people in America, the stereotype is you lie about your age and you say I'm 39 when you're really 43. But she said, no, we always in Ireland, we always go the other way because what we want you to say is like, wow, you look great for 53 (laughs) when you're really 47 or whatever. And I was like, boy, that makes so much more that sense. It
0: really makes sense. It yeah. really
1: makes more sense. Yeah, because it, it, you know, it's not like you're a, you don't you're not like playing little league. You don't need to like have an meet an age requirement. And I feel the same way. If I were Dustin Pedroia, I would say I'm 5'1". <laughs> you know, like go the other way, man. Like it's the, the 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 shorter you are, the more impressive your many accomplishments are.
0: That's totally right. Totally right. All right. Really quickly, it's time for one last thing. One Last Meaningless Thing to End This Meaningless Thing. It's one last meaningless thing To end
1: this meaningless thing We talk about sports and we draft things we know Like our beaches are terrible places to go No hot fruit for Michael or Diet Coke for Joe The podcast, was
0: And I believe you go first. Do I really?
1: Okay. Um, My my uh, meaningless thing is that I feel like highlighters are an endangered species. (laughs) There's no reason. I have in my office hundreds of them, and I don't. All colors. And all All colors. colors. I never use them because why would you? For like for what purpose? Kind of. (laughs) Everything is done in computer now. And it kind of makes me sad because highlighters are, when you're in college, at least when I was in college, that was, like, highlighters were indispensable. And now I feel like they're on their way. I feel like it's going to be something that we, that our, maybe our kids say to their kids of, like, when we were young, we had fluorescent yellow markers that we wrote in books with. <laughs> and it's going to seem really weird because the kids will say, what are books, as they slowly walk on the path of the the broken down old highway in post-apocalyptic America. (laughs) You're talking about highlighters.
0: And they'll they'll be one. Why would we even need a highlighter? And that's a really – Can you eat them? Unless
1: unless you can eat them, I have no interest (laughs) in learning about these things from your youth.
0: They smell good. Some of them do. Some of them smell terrible. Uh, All right. I love highlighters. I totally agree with you. I'm sad. I'm sad. I actually was trying to think of the last time I've used a highlighter and – Cause I do use a whiteboard. I have a whiteboard in my office that I use for like chalking out, like for my book, you know, where, where I'm going to move things and all that sort of thing. So that's kind of a highlighter. I mean, it's sort of the similar, similar system, but, but uh, yeah, the last time I've actually used a real highlighter, that's, I need to go back to that and bring it back. All right. My one last, last meaningless thing is, is uh, a couple of days ago and three or four days ago, I guess, I was uh, going through a drive-through um, and I got to the window and the woman at the window uh, said, um, oh, your meal has been paid for. And, and I said, I'm sorry? And they said, yeah, the person in front of you paid for your meal, which it, I, I don't know. Maybe this happens to other people. This is the first time that it ever happened to me uh, where a stranger had, had paid for my meal. And I said, oh, well, why, why did they do that? And they said, well, because the car in front of them had paid for their meal. And I said, well, how far did this go? And she was like, I don't know, like six or seven cars that people have been paying. And I said, well, I want to pay for the meal of the person behind me, which I did. And I've decided this is the greatest thing ever. This is like the single, I want this to be like, not not like one day a year, like at least one day a month. We should have pay for the person behind you day in, in drive through windows. I just think this is going to bring America closer together. And I'm, I understand you might get, you might get. Jobbed, You know, you might have like ordered a Coke and the person behind you is like ordered for his whole office. So if that happens, you have the option to not do it, you know, be be greedy and not do it. Um But I think that should be a thing. I, I want to start that as like like an American tradition. Once a month, we have pay for the person behind you day in in uh, in the drive through window. Uh, here's the, uh,
1: this is lovely. I love, love this. This, this is, is great. How do you know how much money it is, though? My guess is that what's happening is McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King or whatever it is is raking in dough because people (laughs) don't know what they what they need to pay for the person behind them. They're not going to wait around and find out. So what they're doing is they're saying, "What's the average cost of the meal? Is it twelve bucks? Here's a twenty, and I'm and you can just pay for the person behind me." And then the next person goes and goes like, "Well, I'll leave I'll leave fifteen bucks or whatever." And people are then ordering like a hamburger and a and a, you know soda or whatever, and then they're, they're, they're you're basically just giving extra money to this to this franchise. Well, no, but,
0: but well, you're right. If if you're going through a drive-through where there where there's nobody behind you, um, but no, but, you, but you're, you're saying you're no, saying in the case, no, they knew exactly what the person. I was in a line. It's like a you know like like a, a line. So the person behind me, I they told me. Well, the person behind oh, you is I dollars. You get the information. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah, okay. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Please you get the actual information. Now, <laughs> if you're going through a drive-through and and there's nobody behind you, yeah, I don't. Then you're guess guessing, you. right? Yeah. yeah. Either guessing or you're saying, forget it. I'm not waiting for that person to come by. I mean, I don't. Right. They might fi- figure out that they're not going to get paid and you know, try to cheat me or whatever. I'm not doing that.
1: Um, I will say that in the old, uh, in the old days, I, uh, used to drive when I drove from my house in Connecticut up to Boston, you know, you enter the mass turnpike and uh, once a year, like you would come up and it was like a dollar 70 to get on at the junction of interstate 84 and in the mass pike and then get off where I got off in Boston. And it was like a dollar 70. And once a year, some, like, you'd pull up and they would go, uh, hey, your commute today is being paid for by Shawmut Bank. And there would be like a Shawmut <laughs> Bank representative and he would just wave you through and go like, have a nice day. And it was like a seventy, And it made me so happy I almost cried. Because oh, the, yeah. you, when you pay, it, when you have a little annoyance like that and you pay a little toll every day or whatever, it, when someone just does it for you, it's and I was like, God, that is the best local <laughs> promotion you could possibly do is pay for everyone's commute on the Mass Pike. You know, it's like, it yeah, may be... I mean, I, I'm sure it's like you know, whatever, thirty five thousand dollars for like right. an entire weekend or something. It's probably not that much money, but uh, I mean, I have no idea how much it was. But it made me so it made me so happy. And I always thought like more more people should do stuff like that because it really does. It really is like a thing that makes people happy.
0: I love that the bank uh, person was there.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> like, representative. That's the, best, the,
0: that's the best part. That's, that's like for, the guy yeah. in the golf, like when they show the golf, uh, like on Sunday. They'll be like, oh, we have the vice president of PNC Bank right here. You know, the, like I love that.
1: It's always the same, like super awkward. Like, well, Jim, it's been a great tournament, and we're so happy to be here at this wonderful event. It's always the dorkiest fifty-three-year-old white dude who just has no has no ability to. To uh, be charismatic on camera.
0: And I like my favorite part is because it sounds like they're reading anyway. So it sounds like they're acting. So they sound so not into what they're saying. And they're always saying something like, the thing that matters most to us is the children who are being (laughs) helped. You know, you're just like, (laughs) can you sound human when you're helping the On (laughs) behalf
1: of PNC Bank and its board of directors and all of the wonderful people who put together this event, I would like to say congratulations <laughs> to Sergio Garcia. What a wonderful – it's just the, it's so painful. Find one find one charismatic person in your entire organization who <laughs> likes the golf and send that person.
0: That would be so awesome too because that person would be like, yeah, what's your job? Like, yeah, I'm just – the numbers. I just do like the numbers downstairs. <laughs> yeah. but... Or like <laughs> but I'm I literally, I literally am from awesome. the
1: mailroom, but I can talk on camera. <laughs> Dustin, is... Dustin, on behalf of everyone here at J.P. Morgan Chase and Associates, what a wonderful comeback! You truly are a champion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and do not forget that this money is going. Two sick children all over the Greater Providence area. I mean, By the
1: way, it's also like you know we make fun of poor uh, Vice President Jengersen from uh, from PNC Bank, <laughs> but the truth is that the people who do that on behalf of major sports leagues are bad at it. Like, oh absolutely. you know uh, Roger Goodell's very bad at it, and Adam Silver uh, is uh, not great at it, and Rob Manfred's not great at it. Like the people who are whose job it is to rep actually represent the league at those events are often sort of awkward and stilted and not not very good.
0: And all they have is money. They can't hire a TV per- like and now to give out the Super Bowl trophy, Chris Rock. Like is that that's not that hard? <laughs> yeah, or or just
1: say like or have a VP of communications.
0: Right. And
1: right. and have that person's only job be to be like a fluid charismatic speaker. Like that would help, too. Um one last thing before we go. Here one one last thing post the one last thing. Okay. Everyone has to go if you if you're still listening to this and and frankly why would you be why would you uh, be? please Google uh, fighting baseball uh, fighting baseball names or something like that. This thing is flying around the internet that it makes me so happy. It's from a a 1995 video game <laughs> called uh, called Fighting Baseball. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's basically people ostensibly in Japan who had to come up with fake names for American baseball players. It is. It's the, as, a, as a connoisseur of, of hilarious <laughs> fake bad names, it's, the, it's one of the most delightful lists I've ever seen.
0: It the the winner
1: like – yeah, there's, like, there's probably whatever, 20 fake baseball player names. The, the last one of which is <laughs> Todd Gonzalez. Just Gonzalez with a B instead of a G. And I cannot – I've thought about Todd Gonzalez every 45 seconds. Now for 24 straight hours.
0: It's really funny because the person I've thought about a lot is Sleeve mcdykel I just think Sleeve, Sleeve mcdykel that, that guy went, we have Sleeve McMichael, but that, yeah. even that's too close. Even that kept... too close. <laughs> Sleeve mcdykel
1: is incredible. Bobson Dugnut is the one that everybody <laughs> Bobson Dugnut is, I mean, there's also Mike Truck, T-R-U-K. Now I, as a joke, named a character on The Office Ed Truck in like 19, 2006 or something and they, they actually came to the same conclusion um it's amazing it's really wonderful by the Todd way was, was the ed always... truck
0: spelled like that t-r-u-k or no was, ed,
1: or... ed truck was like the word truck like the
0: word so truck I it, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I just like that they just some like were just like this you know like like they just Willie really, willy dustus like instead of just like <laughs> we'll just Dustus instead of Justice, but. Other are just bizarre (laughs) like big hockey names I know like like that Raul Chamberlain I mean like where did that come from
1: that's Chamberlain with a G instead of a B I think they just changed a bunch of B's to G's because Todd Gonzalez is Todd Gonzalez but with a B and then Chamberlain is Chamberlain with a G instead of a B they also apparently uh, apparently they just took a bunch of names from their hockey game and just changed a bunch of letters but the, secretly, low key, the, the funniest first name is Shown. There's Shown <laughs> for Coat. Like, so it's Sean, but with an O instead of an A. <laughs> man's first name is the word Shown. <laughs> this is the time of year, by the way. Very soon, I think the name of the year bracket will come out, which is the greatest day of the year. I think. Don't they do it? I, uh, they do it. I think in association with the tournament. And this group of people puts together the real names of athletes and other people in America. And they have a bracket that are the best names. And they're always – they're just like the most amazing real names in America and elsewhere. It's my favorite day of the year as a person, again, who loves weird names.
0: There is somebody on this list named Ray McSriff. That's right. So, Ray McSriff. So they had I don't think you can even do the S and R together. Can well, you forget <laughs> about that? Remix riff is one
1: thing, but how about Mario that's McRlWain? That's M C R L W A I N. I mean, that's an, a, an impronounceable name. That's one. All right. Well,
0: I think that when we when we draft our hockey team, as we will very soon, yeah. we will we will try to find Anatoly Smorin. I think Anatoly. <laughs>
1: That's we're gonna, clearly draft, that's we're gonna for game. our fantasy hockey team. We're gonna draft <laughs> exclusively members of the 1985 Edmonton Oilers and these fake people.
0: And then we'll come in. <laughs> our team is gonna be so good. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael, as always, thank you. Thank you for having me.